Uh, this morning's message is uh, inspired from a movie that I saw recently. I was in uh, Branson, Missouri at the uh, Jim Baker show. And uh, we were uh, supposed to be leaving uh, after the show, taping on Tuesday to fly home uh, here in Green Bay. But the weather came in real nasty on Tuesday and icing and, and the, the horrible winds and stuff. And uh, I felt led not to come back. Because I have this aversion to plummeting from my death from 28,000 feet. So, uh, so we decided to spend an extra day down there. Anyway, that night we were kind of, you know, there wasn't a whole lot to do. Especially in Branson this time of year. They have all these shows and stuff, but they're shut down this time. So uh, I called uh, Jim and Laura. I said, hey, guys, why don't you, let's go to a movie. Let's go do something. So uh, we decided to go to a movie together. And we went to this movie called The Bucket List. And uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but it was really a fun movie. It's the story uh, of two men. It's, it's uh, starring uh, Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman. Two guys who learn that they have uh, less than a year to live. And what they do is they decide to uh, make a list of all the things they're going to do before they kick the bucket. Hence the name, The Bucket List. And uh, actually, it's a, it's a perfect film for couples. I mean, it's got stuff for guys that's hilarious, and it's got chick flick stuff in it too, and it's everybody, everybody's happy. But uh, great, great movie. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of times you see films like this and this premise, you know, you even hear it in songs, you know, I hope you get the chance someday to live like you were dying and all the things you're going to go do. And uh, it's interesting to watch people's perspectives in these films and songs and things when they hear they're going to die. Because then they focus on this life and all the things they want to squeeze in before they, before they go. But I got to tell you, I, I find that premise very odd. It seems odd to me that if you're faced with eternity, that what you focus on is what you're about to leave. Rather than focusing on the blink of an eye, which is considered this life, it seems to me it makes a whole lot more sense to focus on the eternity, which is going to be forever. You will live forever, one place or another. And it would make sense to me, rather, I'm telling, if they tell me I'm checking out, I am focusing this way. I'm not focused on you know, whether I went hang gliding or something, who cares? All right. Now, so based on that premise, I thought I'm going to preach a, a message this morning called The Bucket List. And uh, what I've come up with is the Believer's Bucket List. What you ought to be checking off to see before you kick the bucket. All right. The number one thing here we'll talk with this morning starting is, first of all, have you done the will of God? That is something you need to check off on your list. It's an important thing. Jesus said in Matthew, the seventh chapter, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody who goes to church. Not everybody's part of celebration church. You know, I've been baptized. I've been this. Not everybody who just claims these things are going to get into heaven. I know that comes as a shock. I think all of us, Christians all over the world, are going to be stunned at how many people don't get in. It's real. Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Leads to life. I think it's going to be quite the shocker. And Jesus said to me, only those who do the will of my Father in heaven is going to get in. Many will say to me on that day, many, ouch. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons? Didn't we perform many miracles? Didn't we all do all kinds of nice, neat, cool things? And he said, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. And he continues to say, therefore. Now, whenever you see a therefore, you need to see what it's there for. 
And what it's there for is he's building on this thought about doing the will of God. What is the will of God? He says, therefore, everyone who hears the words of mine and puts them into practice, that's the will of God, see. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on that rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Now I talked uh, about knowing the will of God a couple of weeks ago and uh, uh, took just three chapters from just the book of Ephesians, very small book in the Bible, and just went through a list of stuff that we're supposed to be doing. It just shocks and amazes me when people say, I, I don't know what the will of God is. I, don't, I, wish, I wish I knew the will of God. I just wish I knew what God's will. Man, I'll tell you what the will of God is. See, the thing is, what we want when we say that is, is what special thing does God want me to do? What special job does he want me to have? What kind of career thing? And that is the least of God's concerns when it comes to the will of God. The will of God is found in the basics. Hearing the words of God, obeying the words of God, doing what we're supposed to do. And I, would, I came up with this list that I went through with, and I'm going to read this list again with you just real quickly, just read through it. But this is just from three chapters in, in, in the book of Ephesians about what we should be doing as far as the will of God. Number one, get a good attitude. Stop lying. Tell the truth. When you get mad, don't sin. Quit taking what doesn't belong to you. Work hard so you have enough to give to others. Stop all the bitterness, anger, and rage in your life. Be nice. Forgive people just like God forgives you. Follow God like a little kid. Live a life of love. Don't allow even a hint of sexual immorality in your life. Don't be greedy. Don't hang out with bad people. Make the most of every opportunity in your life. Don't be stupid. Don't get drunk on booze. Get drunk on the Holy Spirit. Let the other guy win. Wives, respect your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved you. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, teach your children about spiritual things. Do a good job all the time, not just when the boss is looking at you. Don't threaten people. Fight the devil. Make sure you're always praying. Boom. That's just from a little couple of little pages in the book. That, that, this is the kind of stuff we... This is the will of God. Not the big fancy question, well, what am I supposed to do special? I'm not tell you this. If you want to know what the special thing, if you have a special road, a role to play in life, you're never going to know that until you start doing the basics in the first place. The Bible says that we need to be faithful in the little things. If we're faithful in the little things, God will trust us with the greater things. Talked about young people, you know, growing up in the church and they're teenagers and say, well, how come God doesn't tell me what to do? What am I supposed to do for the... You expect God to tell you what to do? You can't even pick up your underwear for crying out loud. (laughs) Clean your room. Do what your parents tell you to do. Get a clue. Be faithful in the little things and then God... Seeing that you're faithful in the little things can say can start speaking into your life and showing you the plan that he has for you. We need to be faithful in the basics. Number one question on your list, man. Have I done the will of God? Am I doing the will of God? Am I living out the basic truths of the scriptures? Number one, get that on your bucket list. Number two, have you loved mercy? In the Old Testament, Micah the prophet said this, he has shown you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? This is what he requires. To act justly. We just talked about that. But and to love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. 
Do you show mercy to people? Or are you beating the snot out of them all the time because you don't think they line up with what you think they ought to be? Christians can be some of the meanest people in the world. For people who are supposed to be walking in love, man, we sure get nasty sometimes. Picking on people, hey, you don't do this, you don't pray the right way, you don't do that, and you don't preach the gospel the right way. And just everybody's just, is this what we're supposed to be doing? Ought we not to be showing love? Or have you set yourself up as a judge on who's acceptable in the kingdom? Don't know they meet my list. The Bible says this, Paul wrote in Romans, he says, you're supposed to accept those whose faith faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable, disputable matters. You know what is a disputable matter? It's something you can dispute. It's very deep. You ever have something where somebody says, well, I think the Bible says this. And somebody says, no, no, I think the Bible says this. And someone else says, well, I think we ought to approach it this way. And you feel kind of confused and you're not quite sure. This is a disputable matter. Don't have a cow about those things. Move on. Just live according to what you think is the best thing and just quit judging and pointing out and attacking people. It's one of the things that we stress here at Celebration Church. Everybody doesn't have to agree on every little uh, piece of small doctrine in the church. Obviously, we, we, we believe in the basics. That, 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 that's without exception. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that you can't be saved without Him. There's a God in heaven. All these basic stuff. But, you know, the little tiny things. Well, how should you be baptized? You know, should it be in a river? Should it be in a pond? Should it be sprayed with a hose? You know, which is the right way? <laughs> well, chill out already. Passing judgment on disputable matters. And then Paul goes on to say this. Who are you? To judge somebody else's servant. And he's talking in the contents of Christians judging uh, other, other Christians. Because they're servants of God. Who are you to judge somebody else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. No, no, Pastor. No, no. Unless they do it this way, they will fall. Unless they give money this way, they will fall. Unless they handle the situation, they will fall. No. Says who? Who made you judge? And I love what he goes on. He says, and he will stand. So we're convinced people won't stand unless they do it our way. He said, he will stand. You know why? Because the Lord is able to make him stand. We serve the Lord. We're not supposed to be going around judging each other and hammering each other when we don't think they said, uh, live up to our expectations of the proper way to do things. I love this story. This is in, in the Old Testament, Judges. It's the story of the, Gilead, the Gileadites and the Ephraimites. There was a guy named Jephthah. He called together the men of Gilead and fought against Ephraim. The Gileadites struck them down. Kill them. Do you know why they killed them? Because the Ephraimites said, you Gileads are renegades. Good grief of all the reasons I kill people. You Gileads are renegades from Ephraim and Manasseh. So they insulted them. They called them a name. So they go to war with each other. People fight over the stupidest things. Anyway, the Gileadites captured the fords of the Jordan leading to Ephraim. So they, they were guarding the border. They had control now. And whenever a survivor of Ephraim said, let me cross over. Okay. The men of Gilead, see the Gileadites, they were the ones kicking butts. They won. They were in charge now. Because they didn't like what these guys said. Every time an Ephraimite came and said, you know, can I cross the border? Uh, they would ask them, well, are you an Ephraimite? And if he replied no, they said, well, all right, well, then say shibboleth. Say it, just say it. 
And it says, if they said Sibboleth, because he could not pronounce the word correctly, they seized him and killed him. 42,000 Ephraimites were killed doing this. That's a lot of dead people. Because they couldn't pronounce their SHs. Because my dad, he can't pronounce his THs, you know. That's the ting. You know, with my dad. It was great. It was hilarious because growing up, my brother Steve was the first, uh, I was the second, and Ed was the third. (laughs) Something I like to remind him of on on occasion. (laughs) Dude, you're the third. Be quiet. The shibboleth. You know, Christians, we have our shibboleths. Are you doing this right? Then do that. If you, if you don't do that right, shibboleth! You mean, pastor, you went to a movie? Some Christians, you, know, you can't go to a movie. Shibboleth! You guys serve wine for communion? <gasps> shibboleth! <laughs> you don't handle money just the way I think you should? Shibboleth! Running around, judging, and just shibbolething everybody. This is not mercy. This is not grace. God has not called you to be the garter of the border. Checking out the shibboleths that everybody's got. Make sure they say it just the right way. And if they don't say it the right way. You need a... You need something. <laughs> I was going to say something not very nice, but... I'm afraid you'd yell, shibboleth! <laughs> Can't be a pastor. He said something nasty. You're a shibboleth. So, have you done the will of God? That should be on your bucket list. Have you loved mercy? You've been forgiven, man. The Bible says you need to forgive others like God has forgiven you. Why is it so hard for you to forgive other people? Get a clue. Get that on your list. Next thing you need to have on your list have you laid up treasures in heaven? Jesus said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You want to know where your heart is? Look at your bank account. Are you investing in the kingdom of God? Are you a generous person? Are you a giver? Now granted, you can't give everything that you have. And it's interesting. It talks about storing up. In other words, you live on what you live and you got others that you store up. Don't store all that stuff, more junk here. Man, God bless you with, with, with whatever extra you have. Give into the kingdom of God. Be generous. Be kind. Lay up treasures in heaven. Someday, you are going to run into some guy who's going to walk up to you and say, man, I want to thank you because I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. And you'd, you're going to say, well, what are you talking about? I don't even know you. Yeah, but you know, when you, when you gave and you supported that work and I heard the gospel, I, I heard about Jesus on the TV program. I was, I was in a campus church on the other side of the state where uh, I heard about Christ. All that stuff was possible. I was, I was in Myanmar and someone told me about Jesus. That would have never happened had it not been because you were there investing in the kingdom of God. That's, and that's stuff you get to hold on to for eternity, dude. Laying up treasures in heaven. Don't put all your resources and stuff that's going to rot and fall apart. It's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. People say, yeah, look at that fancy car. I just go, yeah, it's all going to burn. 
It's not going to, you know, why, why lay up stuff that doesn't last? Here's an important one that should be on your list. Have you shared the good news with others? Jesus gave a parable in, uh, uh, in Luke, I assume it was a parable. Uh, but he told the story of a guy named uh, Lazarus who was a uh, poor beggar and a rich man. And the rich man had everything he thought he was set for life and everything was good. And he was going to have all this money and trying to decide how he's going to spend more of his money. And God says, you idiot, your, your life's over. And unexpectedly, the guy dies, wakes up in hell in torment, looks over and he can see Lazarus in paradise with Abraham hanging out in comfort. And he calls out to them. And listen to one of the, one of the things that he says. He's talking to, to uh, Abraham and he says, I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so they will not come to this place of torment. Interesting. This guy becomes an evangelist right away. Soon as he enters eternity and realizes what's at stake, the first thing he wants to do is go and warn his brothers. Where are you at in sharing your faith? This is something that will haunt people for eternity. Are you sharing the good news with others? And we talked about this last week, different ways of sharing your faith. You know, some people are very vocal and confrontational by nature. Others are very relational by nature. Others are very hands-on by nature. But I'll tell you what, ultimately, as I preached last week, it's in the results. It's in the results. You're a real in-your-face, telling everybody to go to hell kind of guy. How many people have come to Christ as a result of that? You a super relational person and just try to be nice and hope people look at you? How's that working for you? What kind of results you got? Say, well, I, 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 I'm in the soup line and I'm feeding. And that's great, but what's your result from that? See, Christians, we're the only company in the world that doesn't care about results. I had a big argument the other day with some guys, some brothers. It's okay, iron sharpens iron. I like to argue. But, you know, about results. What's the result? And there's always this thinking, well, if just one soul gets saved, it's worth it. Really? You're in a fantasy world. You think one soul gets saved? If after all of this, all this work, all this investment, all this energy, all this prayer, one person gets saved? I dare say we would be abysmal failures. God is into results, has always been into results. That's why Jesus gave the parable and talked about the guys who were smart with their energy for the kingdom of God. Some gave a 40-fold return, some 60, some 100-fold, man, just 100 times what they had. That was the results they came and brought in. Jesus praised those people, encouraged us to be those kinds of people, to be productive people that make a difference and have results to show for it. And the one guy who didn't have the word, he just had the one little thing. Well, I kept it safe as long as one was safe. It was worth it all. No. Jesus rebuked him harshly and threw him out into outer darkness. Will there be weeping and gnashing of teeth? What are the results? We've got to show results. Goodness heaven's sakes. If you're in a church where the church has been there for 50, 60, 75, 100 years and nothing happens, no lives get touched, people aren't getting saved, there aren't results. Or one person after 150 years comes to Jesus. I know why people use that analogy. They're trying to use the, the importance of a single soul. 
And, and I get what they're trying to say, but they have gone way over. They've gone way over. We need to show results. Pastor Lathan sharing about our church here, how at Celebration Church last year we had 400, 500 people get saved just last year alone. And while it was a great cause for celebration, you know my instantaneous response was? It should be double that. Should be double. We should be having effect. I'll tell you what, if he'd have got up and said, Praise God, every we had all this effort and this two million dollar year budget and all of a sudden we and three people found Jesus last year. Let's clap. If you'd clap at that, I'd walk up and slap you all. We need to be having impact. We need to show fruit. We need to show productivity. Is that on your list? Are you being productive for the kingdom of God? Have you done the will of God? Have you loved mercy? Have you laid up treasures in heaven? Have you shared the good news with others? Are you going to be like the rich man who gets there? I'll tell you, you can be either in hell or in heaven. Either way, the regret can be the same. I didn't tell the people who are closest to me. I didn't share with others. I didn't win them. Do you want to be haunted by that? Goodness, let's get this on our list. And then finally, and really the most important of all, everybody needs to start with this on their bucket list. If you know you're checking out, you got three months to live, the very first thing should be on your list should be this. Have you put your trust in the Son of God? Jesus said this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. You know, uh, last year, at the end of last year's American Idol program, I I watched like the last two or three shows. I never watched it before because I hate those kinds of shows. And, uh, um, but we, we were watching the last couple. couple of, I, I found it interesting. Uh, but it was on our TV. So instead of recording it again this year, and uh, because of the writer's strikes, <laughs> the regular show's not showing, I decided, well, let's watch this. You know, there's nothing else to watch. So we, we, we put up American Idol. And, uh, and I started watching it from the beginning where these people come and do these tryouts. Now, it is hilarious. It is a scream. I'm a big fan now. I'm hooked on the show. And I think it's, it's a riot. But who are these morons? <laughs> who are these idiots? Who stand in line for hours, thousands of them, and get in front of the judges. And you know, in front of Simon and Paul and Randy. And I'm going to sing you a song. I'm the next American Idol. And they start warbling like a sick duck or something. And you think, good grief. I look at my wife and say, how can they be so stupid? Did not anyone ever tell them, dude, you stink. You're awful. Clearly, they lived in a world of people who d- helped them deceive themselves. I'll tell you, this is, a, this is a thing people love. We love to deceive ourselves. We love to convince ourselves of something that's not true. We love to convince ourselves we're something when we're nothing. And these guys get up and sing, and when the judges say, dude, dude, stop. You're awful. Then they keep singing. <laughs> They keep singing. And so, well, let, let me try again. Let me try another song. 
no, no, no. Oh, I'm trying a different key. No, 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 no. And I mean, the security guards are dragging these idiots out. And I thought to myself, goodness gracious, that is judgment day. That's what's going to happen on judgment day. Instead of Randy, Paula, and Simon, it's going to be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they're going to get up there and say, why should I let you know? Because I've been a good guy, and I've been pretty good, and I, I didn't let my dog poop in my neighbor's yard, and I, I didn't do this, and I, I'm a pretty nice guy. I'm just a... And God is going to say, dude, you reek, you're horrible, get out of here! Where are you at? I am convinced. People, and, and people are, you know, they're shocked on American Idol when the judges don't. I mean, they are shocked. They are stunned. They are so bad, I can't stand it. But they are stunned, and they're angry, and tears running down. I was, I was looking on YouTube the other day. You know, by the way, I'm up over a half a million on YouTube. Pretty cool, huh? But, uh... I was, I was watching YouTube the other day, and this was the, the German version of uh, American Idol. And, and they shoot down this one kid, and he just goes, <laughs> and he just collapses. The guy's like, he's dying. So clueless are these people. I'm telling you, it's going to be just like that on Judgment Day. Exactly. Watch American Idol. You'll get a picture of Judgment Day. People who are convinced they're good enough. People who think they're okay. People who think, well, it's not so bad. I, you know, I, I wasn't such a bad guy. Sure, I like cheated and stealed. And, you know, I wasn't, that, I, wasn't that, I wasn't as bad as the next guy. Do you reek? You're horrible. You're not going to get in. There's only one way you can get the golden ticket to Hollywood. The golden ticket into heaven. It's by putting your trust in Jesus Christ. It's just that simple. If you don't surrender, if you think you're good enough, you can do this on your own. If you don't get this, you look at this Christianity stuff, oh, I don't know what the big deal is. You are a nitwit. There is no way you can make this on your own. That's why Jesus Christ came to die. He was the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. He took your punishment and my punishment so that if we will trust in him, turn away from the wrong in our lives, and turn to him in faith, we could be born again. We could have life. We could have forgiveness of sins. It's the only way. You can't work your way into it. You can't come up with your own song and think you can pull this off. Your number one list on your bucket list, if you're checking out of here, and it could be today. You don't know. So I got forever. You could be like the rich man. thought, I got all this stuff together. God could be saying to you right now, you idiot. It's over today. It's over today. And have you taken care of the most important thing in your life? Repentance, asking God to forgive you of your sins and finding life in Christ. I'm going to ask the ushers to come and get ready to serve communion this morning and our musicians to get ready to play. As we take communion this morning, I mean, sometimes people say, why, why do we take communion every Sunday? Uh, well, first of all, the, the Bible certainly implies that's what the believers did every time they got together. That's why we try to follow the Bible. But more importantly, it's, it's, it's a time of reflection. Uh, here's what Paul said in Corinthians about communion. He says, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. What is he talking about? He goes on, he says, a man ought to examine himself. 
before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. What is that? That's why we do this. You've just heard a message. You've just heard the preaching of the word of God. And I don't care what Sunday it is. And it doesn't matter who did it or how great the sermon was, how lousy it was. The reality is you've heard truth. And the reason why we stop at the end of the sermon and take communion is so that we can reflect and examine ourselves. Where am I at with what I just heard? Where am I at? Well, what he just said, where, where am I at? This is the time of reflection. If you need to repent, you ask God to, Father, forgive me. I, I, I've fallen short. I haven't taken care of this. I haven't been right on this. I mean, whatever the issue. So this is the most important thing. It's a time of reflection. And it's all around the body and the blood of Christ. Why? Because without his body being broken for us, without his blood being shed for us, there is no forgiveness of sins. So it's all about this. And let me ask you a question. If you're here this morning and maybe you've never taken that first important step, you haven't taken care of the most important list, a thing on your list, your bucket list. Facing eternity, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you made that decision? You know what? You're right, God. I'm wrong. You're right. Forgive me. Forgive me of my sins that come into my life. I'd like us all to bow our heads in a word of prayer. And I want to encourage you, if you're here this morning, you're in that place, to pray this prayer with us as we pray it. If you'll mean this from the bottom of the heart, you can start your first steps of faith this morning in your relationship with God. Let's pray together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you loved me so much, you went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart. And forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. 